there is a tendency on Mother's Day to just open up to Proverbs chapter 31 and say, okay, ladies, if you can do this, you're good. You'll be perfect, right? But it occurred to me that that's probably like what it feels like when I go to the beach, like for the first time in early spring, and I take my shirt off and reveal my blinding pale body, and then some ripped guy comes up beside me, and I'm like, could you guys hand me my shirt, please, right? And so I don't want to make you feel like that. So instead, I, I, I wanted just to share with you something that I think will very much encourage you. Um, I think some, some golden moments in the life of Mary, some, some really inspiring moments in the life of Mary as she is, of all things, raising the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can you imagine what an awesome responsibility that she had? And she did it with such uh, grace, and she did it with such heartache as well. She did it with such pride, she did it with such joy, she did it with such pain and heartbreak. So, if you have your Bibles, open it with me to Luke chapter 2. There's a story about this little boy who goes in and he wants to get his mom a a Mother's Day gift, so he goes into Macy's and he goes into the lingerie department and he figures that she needs a slip and he's overwhelmed by all the choices. So he goes over to the salesperson and he says, can you help me? And the sales guy says, yeah, well, you got to tell me like what size is your mom? And the kid says, I have no idea. And the boy says, well, is she tall? Is she short? Is she big? Is she skinny? And the kid says, she's perfect. And so the salesperson gave him size 34. And two weeks later, the mom returned it for size 52. Regardless, she was perfect. And what I want you to walk away with is that you are perfect. You're perfectly imperfect in process of greater perfection. This is called sanctification. And you're clothed in the very righteousness of God. And when God looks at you, He rejoices over you. And as we look at some highlights in the life of Mary, as she's entrusted with this awesome responsibility of raising the Creator of all things and the Savior of the world, I believe that the first principle that we can walk away with as a survival mechanism, this is something that you have to do. Entrust your heart to God's story for God's glory. As you go about the task of stewarding the life that God has entrusted to you, whatever stage that might be, infancy, full-grown, perhaps they're a prodigal these days. Maybe they're walking with God. Maybe they're far from God. Maybe they've already been entrusted into heaven. Whatever stage you are in parenting your child, you have to entrust your heart to God's story. Entrust your heart to God's sovereignty. Let's read about it in Luke chapter 2. So it's a very exciting time in Mary and Joseph's life. And they go into the temple and we see that a prophet named Simeon sees Mary and he sees this baby and the Holy Spirit tells Mary that this baby is the Savior of the world. That's just a little bit of pressure, isn't it, on Mary and Joseph? And this prophet walks over to Mary and she takes the baby Jesus up in his arms. And we see in chapter 2, verse 29, that the prophet Simeon prayed, 
Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Verse 33, his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, listen to this, behold, This child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, verse 35, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. What is this? This is a prophecy of the crucifixion of Christ. We know that Mary was at the feet of Jesus and right here we know what she felt at the feet of Jesus. We can only speculate when we read later in the Gospels what she must have felt to see Jesus tortured and crucified on the cross. But right here we know what it feels like. The prophet Simeon looked soberly, somberly and made eye contact with Mary and said in reference to this baby, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. That's what Mary felt like when her son was on the cross. A sword would pierce her soul. And isn't this what it is to love somebody more than you love yourself? To expose your heart to be so vulnerable that it can sometimes feel like a sword pierces your soul. And so Mary had to entrust her heart to God's sovereignty. She had to entrust her heart to God's story, not hers. If you've ever been house shopping, you know you can fall in love with the house that you're looking at and if it doesn't work out, you might be a little discouraged about it because you had great plans for that house. And in the same way, we can really wrap our hearts around our plans, around our story for our lives, around our story for our family. But Mary had to entrust her heart to God's story for her child. And so do we. This is being at rest in the sovereignty of God. And God's sovereignty is His hand, His invisible hand, guiding and orchestrating the circumstances of life to an appointment with His glory. She entrusted her heart to His story for His glory. And we go on to read, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And this is talking about redemption. It's talking about newness of life. It's talking about salvation. And this is what we have to do. Entrust our heart to God's story for God's glory. And what is God's glory? God's glory is His presence being manifested in our world. God's glory is His presence being manifested in our lives. His grace and His glory, His love and His power shining through. We entrust our heart to His story. And we know this about God's story. It's mysterious. It's unpredictable. And it's sometimes heartbreaking, but it is absolutely glorious. God's story orchestrates an appointment with the miracle so that His presence and His grace shines through our life. Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Bell Graham, wrote a poem about entrusting the heart to God's story for God's glory for your family. And she wrote, Had I been Joseph's mother, I'd have prayed protection from his brothers. God, keep him safe. He is so young, so different from the others. Mercifully, she never knew there would be slavery in prison too. 
Had I been Moses' mother, I'd have wept to keep my little son, praying she might forget the babe drawn from the water of the Nile. Had I not kept him for her, nursing him the while, was he not mine and she but Pharaoh's daughter? Had I been Daniel's mother, I should have pled, give victory, this Babylonian horde, godless and cruel. Don't let him be a captive, better dead, almighty Lord. Had I been Mary, oh, had I been she, I would have cried as never mother cried, anything, oh God, anything but crucified. With such prayers and my finite wisdom would assail, Infinite wisdom, God, how fortunate. Infinite wisdom should prevail. And so, we entrust our heart to His story for His glory. And I would just like to uh, invite Scott and Tiffany Smith up uh, right now to share a testimony of God's sovereignty in their life that have brought about Nettie. And would you welcome Scott and Tiffany Smith? Good morning, everyone. Yeah, Shane asked if we would just talk a little bit about the story that brought little Nettie Grace to us this morning. And Tiffany and I have been married almost five years in October, and pretty early on in our marriage, we decided to start growing our family. And like a lot of families, probably many in this room, we we had some struggles with that. We, We were unable to conceive. We couldn't bear children on our own. So... Adoption was always something that that we had thought about, but just assumed that it would be later on in our life and not initially. But God had a different plan for us. And so we prayed about it and said, well, we're just going to begin the adoption process now. And it was a long process. It was tedious. It was time-consuming, lots of paperwork. And we got matched with a baby boy down in Waco. And we were thrilled to death. We were happy. This was the answer to our prayers. We had family members buying us all kinds of baby boy things, all these different things. And we were just so excited for that. And Tiffany and I, Tiffany had signed us up for a baby CPR class. We were waiting any day now for the word that the mother was going into labor of the baby boy that we were going to be adopting. We had just returned home from our CPR class and... And we got the call that the mother had changed her mind. That that, that boy wasn't, wasn't going to be ours. We were angry. We were frustrated and sad all at the same time. We thought that this was the answer to, to our prayers. to all, Not just our prayers, but your prayers and our family's prayers and everyone that's been with us through this journey and this process. And we, we were grieving. We were hurting. But like Shane said, it's trusting in God's sovereignty for for everything in our lives because it wasn't 24 hours later that we got the call about Nettie. It was very unexpected. They said, there's this baby girl down in Waco, down in uh, Corpus Christi that needs a family, and we need an answer. We prayed about it, and we said, absolutely, and we left The next day, drove down to Corpus. We were down there for about five days finalizing everything. And that led us to adopting little Nettie Grace here. And it's just a reminder that... A 
We just love her so much. She's just the answer to our prayers. And adoption is just something that's really drawn Tiffany and I closer to God, we feel. And I know we're going to have difficult conversations ahead with Nettie as she gets older. But I know that it's comforting that as the verse that we picked out for her, I'm going to be able to tell her that I'm adopted, that her mother's adopted, that her granddad and grandma are adopted, that her pop pops and gaga, my grand, my parents are adopted because we're all adopted into the family of Christ and not just an earthly family, but a heavenly kingdom that's going to reign forever and ever and is never going to end. Thank you. Here. And trust your heart to God's story for God's glory. God's story is unpredictable. It has sudden twists, sudden turns. There's ups. There seems to be downs. There's joy. There are tears. But ultimately, there is God's glory that makes all things worthwhile. God's glory that makes all things new. God's glory that makes... Everybody observe and watch and listen and say, I want a relationship with that God also. So we see first of all that um, we must entrust our hearts to God's glory, to God's story for God's glory. Secondly, delight yourself in the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 41. Now as parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passovers, I think that there's a lot in that one statement right there. That means that Mary and Joseph were faithful to God. Mary and Joseph had a relationship with God. And you have so many responsibilities in your life, but the greatest responsibility, in fact the responsibility that all other responsibilities flow out of, and that is to simply delight yourself in the Lord. Your greatest responsibility is not duty. Your greatest responsibility is delight. It's to allow your heart to rejoice in the Lord through a daily relationship. I remember growing up, there was a commercial. Maybe it's still on. Calgon, take me away. Do you remember that mother who was just overwhelmed by everything? The kids crying, the dogs barking, the doorbells ringing. She screams, Calgon, take me away. In the very next scene, she's like taking a bubble bath and she just closes herself up from off to the busyness of the world. This is your greatest responsibility every day. Not to access a Calgon bubble bath, but to allow your heart to rejoice in the Lord, to delight in the Lord. Psalm 37. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Martha, as you recall, was busy about many things and was upset that Mary was not helping her. And Jesus told Martha, 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 you're so busy, you're so stressed. Mary has chosen that which is better. And He said, one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Not she's chosen the most important priority of a long list of priorities. One thing is necessary and Mary got it. She's basking at my feet. She's delighting her heart in me. I'm so grateful that my mom has modeled this my entire life, delighting herself in the Lord. It was her greatest responsibility. It was her greatest delight. And she really excelled in that. When she first got married, I remember that she was telling me one time that she was um, in line at a grocery store, and there was a book rack, and there was some fiction book 
that she almost picked up because it's just kind of what she did, picked up a fiction book and went home and read it. But instead of picking up a fiction book, something stirred her to pick up a book by Billy Graham, I think, How to Be Born Again. And she read it and she gave her life to Christ and committed to raising her family up in Christ and she has since delighted herself in the Lord. To this day, if I go over to my mom's house, there's the Bible wide open on the coffee table with all sorts of things underlined and highlighted. And she'll be excited to show me, look at this chair, look at the lamp that I was able to situate over the chair so that I can read really good. And she will read her Bible there. This is your responsibility. This is your delight. The Lord. Entrust your heart to God's story for God's glory and delight your heart in the Lord. And then, transform your heart into a treasure, a treasure chest. So they went up, and now Jesus is about 12 years old. They went up, as they do, to the temple in Jerusalem every year for the feast of the Passover. Well... They traveled in groups, kind of like a caravan in this day. So all the kids were playing over at this family's, or all the kids were playing over at this family. And there's a lot of people. So in this context, it's, under, it's understandable how it took them an entire day to realize Jesus isn't with them on the journey back. So scared and frantic, they go back to Jerusalem and they're looking all over for Him. And when they found Him, they were amazed because He was sitting in the midst of rabbis asking them thought-provoking questions. He could have taught them. He could have told them everything. But I'm sure he was phrasing his insight in the form of questions in order to walk in humility at 12 years of age. In verse 47, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. In verse 48, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? We've been searching for you in great distress. Can you imagine if you're raising the Savior of the, Lord, of, of the world and to think that you lost Him? And He said to them, Why were you looking for Me? Didn't you know that I must be about My Father's house? And we go on to read that His mother treasured up all of these things in her heart. The unique moments, the joyful moments, treasure them in your heart. The scary moments, the upsetting moments, treasure them in your heart. And then your heart as a treasure chest will then become the foundation for praise and worship as you reflect on this life that's been entrusted to you. And then finally, we see that Jesus is now about 30 years of age and we look in the book of John and John chapter 2. And this is before Jesus has performed a single miracle. And they're at a wedding in Canaan. And let's read about it in verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And watch this. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with me? My time has not yet come. She pressed him. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. And the principle that we're drawing from this is to cultivate your child's spiritual giftedness. There is a tendency to want to wrap our loved ones in bubble wrap and put a ski jacket on them and put goggles and put a helmet and then to send them out to play, to do everything to keep them safe or to put bubble wrap around your kids' hearts 
and a ski jacket and a helmet around their self-esteem and their identity and then send them off to school. But instead, Mary models pushing them out on the diving board to take a step off the high dive. Instead of wrapping them with bubble wrap, push them out on the high dive so they can step out in daring, risky faith. And we see that although Jesus said, it's not my time, why are you troubling me with this wedding that ran out of wine? He still obliged his mom. And I think that this is so awesome. Scriptures tell us, honor your mother, honor your father. There's not a time frame on it up until you're 18 years of age. There's not a condition upon it so long as they're deserving of it. It says, honor them. No matter what age you are, whether you're 12 or whether you're 80, no matter what age you are, honor your parents. You may esteem your parents to be the very greatest parents in the world, or they may have failed miserably and caused great pain in your life. Honor them. There's no time frame on that commandment, and there's no condition on that commandment. Honor them. But there is a promise attached to that commandment. And God will bless you with long life as a result of it. It was out of sync. It was out of the timing. And yet Jesus obliged His mom. And you know the story. He turned water into wine. And I think that's a precedent for all of us to honor our parents and to oblige them and to go out of our way to meet their needs and to show them respect. Jesus didn't do it because it was a great pressing need in the kingdom of heaven. He did it because His mom asked Him to. And He said, okay. And then He turned the water into wine. You know, since I was a kid, my mom has been pushing me out on the diving board to follow Christ. Not, not trying to wrap my self-esteem in bubble wrap, but pushing me out to take daring, risky steps of faith. So this, is, um, this was my Bible that I got on my Christmas um, when I was nine years old. And my parents gave it to me, and I just want to read to you what my mom had, uh, had written in it to me. And she wrote, Our dearest Shane, we want you to know that it has given us great joy to give you this Bible on your ninth Christmas. This is almost all you really asked for this Christmas. And it shows us that you have a desire to know and study God's Word. God's Word is so important to you at this young, tender age. And we know that God will always guide you and care for you. This is the greatest blessing we could ever ask for. And then she writes Hebrews 4.12. And I remember when I got it on my ninth birthday, I quickly looked it up and memorized it and highlighted it. And John 15.7-12, I looked it up, I highlighted it, I memorized it. And she wrote about these verses. Um, John 5.12, my mom commented, This is really exciting, but remember, every promise God makes to us is always followed by a condition. Here, he pro- His promise is to give us what we ask for. It is ours. It is for, for our God and His glory. But the condition is that we must abide in Him and live His words and let His words abide in us. His words can only abide in us if we read them and hear them and store them in our hearts and minds. And then she writes another verse, 1 John 8, uh, 31 and 32, and she commented on that. This says a lot, Shane. Really think about it until you understand the importance of it. And then she writes, we are so very proud of you, Shane. And we are so blessed to be your parents. 
I hope we never disappoint you or teach you wrong. Your life is so very precious and our responsibility is so great in raising you. We've made many mistakes and we will make many more, I'm sure. But when you see that we are wrong, you keep your eyes on Jesus and be secure in Him because He will never fail you. But don't you ever, ever forget that all your life we will love you with all our hearts and we will pray always that you will let God lead you in everything you do and that you will always be strong in His power and strength. Always, always remember that love is the greatest commandment. God bless you always, sweetheart. And and ever since then, my mom would always cultivate my spiritual giftings. I remember uh, her, her, her piano recitals were a family event. And she would always push me forward to emcee them. And, and I, would, I would try to make them as good as I could in emceeing these, these events. And she would always push me out and push me in front of people and continue to challenge me to dive into God's Word and to walk with Him. And again, isn't, isn't the tendency to, to wrap your kids up in bubble wrap and to keep them safe and to keep them secure and to make sure they're comfortable? Your, your greatest responsibility as a parent is not to make your kids comfortable. It is to raise up their calling. And I believe that in our American culture, we've raised a generation of Christians and we are raising a new generation of Christians where the goal is to be comfortable. And we coddle their faith and do everything to keep them comfortable. But the job is not to keep them comfortable. The job is to give them a heart to follow Christ with risky, daring obedience as they stand upon His promises. And I want to challenge you to take up that mantle To not raise your kids, but raise fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And not to make them comfortable, but to discern their spiritual gifts and raise up their callings and push them into opportunities to serve and to risk and to step out and to share their faith in Christ. So would you stand with me, please? Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would be glorified in every life and every family that's represented here. And perhaps you don't have children yet. You know what? You do. Walk around at spiritual children. Jesus looked at His mother when He was hanging from the cross and John who was standing beside His mother and He said, Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your woman. And from that point on, John took Mary into his household as his own mom. And perhaps you need to adopt a mom. Spiritually speaking. Perhaps you need to adopt a child, spiritually speaking. I have adopted children spiritually that I pray for them and I do my best to love them and to pour into them and represent the kind of unconditional love that my mom showed me and try to lead them into a greater relationship with Christ. Look around. I know that Mother's Day can be a sad day for some because some of you have already entrusted your mom into heaven. And so that gives us more to look forward to, more to live for, more to look forward to. And it can be a sad day because perhaps you've entrusted your child to heaven. Or perhaps you don't have a child yet. Look around you and put your arm around somebody who's younger in the faith and pour into them. Adopt them spiritually. Woman, behold your son. Woman, behold your daughter. Behold your mother. So let's pray. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that no matter what stage we are, 
here in life, that you would be glorified in our lives. As we put our arm around somebody who's younger in the faith and raise them up to love you with all their heart and cultivate their spiritual giftedness within them and challenge them to step off the diving board, to exercise their spiritual gifts in a daring, bold, obedient way. Lord, we rebuke the Americanized calling of wrapping tender faith in bubble wrap. We rebuke that in Jesus' name. We rebuke the trend to raise up a generation of comfortable Christians. And we pray for the wisdom and we pray for the faith to raise up spiritual giftedness and push them out of the diving board of ministry. So that we don't raise children, but we raise fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And let's respond with worship.